I want to quiz you. Do you know what this quote means? When you become the master of your mind, you become the master of everything. So this quote is inspired by Swami Satchi Dananda. I hope I pronounce his name right. Satchi Dananda. Okay. Swami Satchi Dananda. All right. <laughs> so this quote basically means before you learn something, you need to learn how to use your mind. And I know you have heard this many times or maybe it sounds cliche to you, but but you know, everything that you do, everything that you see, it all starts with your mind, right? And it also means how we react to situations that's happening to us or maybe that's happening around us, how we react to that situation. And you know, I remember one of my mentors, Steve J. Larson, told a story he dropped out out of college and he actually want, wanted to go back. So he needed to wait for four years to enter it back. And while he was waiting to enter in those four years, he was learning how to learn. All right. Yes, he learned how to learn. That means learning how to learn the subjects. <laughs> and it's basically how to use his mind to study subjects you know, things like how to focus in a class, how to do assignments, how to answer the, the test, exams, and, and all those stuff. And when he entered the college back, he finally graduated. Yes, he finally graduated. So the first time he went there, he didn't make it. And the second time, he went there and graduated. So... And that shows you why mastering your mind before doing anything is really, 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 really important. <laughs> I can't stress this enough. So in this episode, we are going to talk about mastering your mind and going all in. So if you are familiar with the terms going all in, then you would know who is the guest for this episode. So today's featured guest is Robert Bruce the founder of Go All In, and he's the host of Go All In podcast. This is the place where he have a conversation with the high-level people about their failures and success. And he has also interviewed big names like Grant Cardone on his podcast. That is quite amazing. So he has over 15 years of experience in digital marketing and business development. And through all those years, he has connected with industry experts, executives, thought leaders, and also podcasters in the Go All In podcast to build connections and create impact to the world. Recently, he has released a masterclass, Master Your Mind and Go All In. So this masterclass is a combination of his 15 years of experience in the entrepreneurial space. And with all the podcast interviews that he has done and also the 10 years experience in the army. Yes, he was also in army, which is quite amazing. And that is why he's going to share a story on how he transitioned himself from being a military to being an entrepreneur and how he built a company from the ground up, how he managed to survive with with his first company and how he built a movement called Go All In on all this crazy stuff. He's going to share all of that in this episode. So, 
and we kind of go into the mastering your mind part and why is it important to master your mind and so much more just a side note here i'm going to cut this interview into a three part series so this is the first part and second one will be released the next wednesday same goes with the third part okay so before we begin make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next part of this interview all right without wasting any more time let's begin so the real question is this how would an entrepreneur like us who literally start from nothing or has limited resources and yet still wants to build an empire Join Usheruf as he answers this big question so you can apply it too. Welcome to Focus on Winning. Hey Rob, welcome to the Focus on Winning podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here, mate. There's nothing I like more than focusing on winning, so let's Ooh. get it. <laughs> I love that spirit. So, Rob, you know, you have been you have been an entrepreneur for 15 years and before that you were a military for 10 years. And you know, when you transition yourself to become an entrepreneur, what inspired you to become to become one? When uh when I was in the military right at the very end of my career, the last posting I had was at the Australian Army Parachute School. Um and it was a incredible job. Uh, you'd come to work in the morning and you'd say to the boss, "Hey, boss, what are we doing?" And he'd look at you sideways and go, "What do you think, idiot? We're going skydiving. Get a parachute and let's go." And wow. yeah, so what? My job there, I was part of a uh, a group of guys called Airborne Platoon, and uh, so we're a bunch of really close mates. There's probably I think there was at the time there was eleven or twelve of us. There wasn't that many of us. And what we would do is we would help the uh, parachute jump masters and the parachute jump instructors run the courses. So that was the static line courses and the military free fall courses. And what I got to do was all the special forces fun stuff without having to be in special forces. Um, and the fun yeah. stuff of special forces is parachuting. Um, that's the that's about the funnest as it actually gets in the military. And I was lucky to get a couple of hundred jumps while I was there. And while I was there, the war in Afghanistan kicked off. And shortly after that, the war in Iraq, of course. And uh, one of my friends was killed. And I had small children at the time, and I'd been on operations before in East Timor, so I wasn't kind of that excited about going overseas to Afghanistan or Iraq, and it was all of an unknown factor at the time. So we didn't really know. And my wife at the time said to me, "Hey, Rob, you know, Andy was killed, and there's all of these bad things going on, and people getting hurt. And what about mm. these two little kids? If you go over there, what's going to happen? You know?" And I, that was sort of the catalyst for me to get out and to leave the military. And I looked at two of my mates and I said to them, uh, "What I just said to you, I shared that conversation with them." And we, they said, "Well, maybe we should get out together and go and start a business." And we made that decision. And my friends Paul and Shane went ahead of me, and I was about three or four months behind them. I can't remember exactly. And we set up an electrical contracting company. And none of us were electricians. None of us really knew what we were doing. What we'd done is we found a little loophole in the market to get started with a business. And at the time, here in Sydney, the New South Wales government was waving a big stick at small business, saying you must do an electrical safety check in your workplace, and you must have someone come around and do an audit, and you must document it. And at the time, I I discovered that I found that out, and we launched the business off the back of that. 
And within three months of me leaving and joining Paul and Shane, we had a telemarketing team of four people. We had a manager. We had an office in North Sydney, and we employed about 20 people. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. All I knew was how to turn up on time, how to actually get the jobs done, because the jobs were relatively straightforward, and we had a lot of them. So we had a great sales team that was selling on the phone. They were hustling really hard. And then we had the New South Wales government waving a big stick saying, don't make sure you do that. So they had to do it. And we would turn <laughs> up and make it all happen. And uh, that was my that was my transition into being an entrepreneur. I don't think that I necessarily wanted to be an entrepreneur. I spotted an opportunity because it was sort of like, well, if I'm going to transition out of the military, what am I going to do? Can I go to another job where I don't get deployed overseas? No, everyone gets deployed at some point and you, you get taken away from your family at some point. And I really kind of wanted to be with my children and I didn't want to put myself in harm's way, especially with little, little kids like that, you know. And I'd been, prior to that, you know, I'd been in the military for 10 years. So I traveled a lot. I've been around the world. I've been away from home a hell of a lot. And it was time to make that transition and to do it. And I'm glad I did. And, and once I did, I, I, I never really looked back from there. I had that business carried on for probably three or about three years for me. And I left Ooh. that business. Uh, my, mates, uh, my mates still have that business. It still exists today in a slightly different form. But I left, you know, I kind of, I'd, I'd done my dash with it. I wanted to go and do my own thing. And I had a couple of jobs in between. And I uh, I had a really hard time transitioning out of the military as well. I think in hindsight, I got out a bit too soon. But there was a bunch of things that I really uh, I really liked about being out. And there was a bunch of things that I really hated about being out of the military as well. But, you know, that's that's par for the course. If you, if you do something for long enough, you'll end up missing it, even though you don't want to do it anymore. Uh, and, you know, being an entrepreneur, that's that's something that I kind of grew into and Really, what it means is it means to be self-reliant. You don't have to have a job and rely on a paycheck. You can rely on yourself to sell your products and services and make it happen. And I've been doing that pretty much since 2007. So it's it's been a it's been an up and down ride. It's been a a time in my life where I've had to dig deep. I've been dragged along the bottom, and it feels like sometimes you're completely down and out. And then I've lived the highs as well. Um, so it's mm-hmm. been an interesting journey. Wow. So your your first company was the electrical company and you just uh, hired 20 people as an employee. Wow. <laughs> that, <That's>... <laughs> and what were you specializing in when you uh, built your first company? Um, so it was electrical safety. So the actual thing that we did was testing and tagging. So anything that plugs into a PowerPoint in a workplace needed to be tested to make sure it wasn't going to electrocute somebody. So there, there was a whole bunch of workplace accidents and injuries that had happened in the lead up to the government changing the legislation, and they changed the law to say that you must do that. And we we were just in the right right place at the right time. And I've discovered ever since, you know, business is a lot about timing. We were in the right place at the right time with the right skill sets and the right level of motivation to capitalize on it. It wasn't easy. But we we managed to do that. And the thing that wasn't easy was managing staff and running a business, dealing with customers and doing the jobs. That was the easy part because customers were nice. I liked customers. And people, mm-hmm. as a rule of thumb, are pretty good. You know, you've got a 
work with the good and the bad, of course, but as a rule of thumb, they're, they're pretty good. But the vast majority of difficulty that I suffered from was running a business. And so what I did is I focused on the operations side of the business and Shane helped me do that. And Paul focused on the sales side and he was in the office running the books, running the company and helping with the recruitment and stuff like that. But in a small business, everybody does everything. You know, you're never dividing roles and you never do just one thing. It's a suite of things that you learn to do. So it was a baptism of fire. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so when did when did you left the the company? It was it would have been two thousand and five, yeah, around around there. And I had a couple of odd jobs in between there, just because I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And then in two thousand and seven, this thing came out. You might have heard of it before. It was a really big thing at the time in two thousand and seven. This thing came out. It was called the iPhone. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And at the time, the iPhone came out and, and I was building websites and I'd done a little bit of digital stuff and I kind of fiddled with that a bit. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, isn't that, isn't that amazing? And it's funny today, you know, I, I've, got a, I've got a brand new Samsung S20 Ultra here in front wow. of me. And I, I think of this piece of technology and it's in, just absolutely incredible what it can do with the camera and all that stuff. But compared mm. to the smartphones, the first generation of those, they were pretty capable compared to the old flip phones we used to have where it took you forever to send a text message and it was just really clunky and clumsy and you could drop kick the thing across the room. The <laughs> iPhone was a revolution and that was when I got into development properly and building apps and building stuff on behalf of clients. So clients would say to me, hey, we want an app and I'd say, what do you want in the app? How do you want it to work? So I learned how to do that myself and I had a team of people helping me do that uh, and that was really the genesis of my digital digital marketing and my digital career. And I kind of made it up as I went because people would ask me to do certain things and I'd go, I've kind of heard of that. I think I know what I'm talking about. And then I would say to them, let me get back to you. Let me check. And I'd go away and I'd check and I'd ask my team, I'd ask my developers and I would say to them, hey, you reckon you can help me with this? Can you build something like that? And inevitably they would say, yeah, we'll work it out. And I think they were doing the same thing for me. And they were going away and Googling, can we actually do this? I don't know. And that's what I mean. I was kind of making it up as I go. And that was the early days of freelancers and freelancing where there wasn't the platforms like Upwork or Guru or Freelancer.com like it is today. Um, so, you know, I was making that up as I went as well. But, you know, learning learning how to build things and learning how to develop things is actually pretty easy. The hard part is keeping a consistent lead flow coming to you. We've constantly got deals coming at you and you've constantly got things to work on. And that was the really hard part about that business because customers had a wide choice of suppliers that were doing things like what I was doing. And so how did I differentiate myself? I did that with great customer service. I did that by delivering on time, on budget, and I always did what I said I was going to do. You know, that's the foundation piece of business, I think, and that's what helped me to be successful in that company. You, you mentioned it before that uh, running a business is hard, but uh, managing stuff is easier, right? So uh, what, what was your lowest point in your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, my gosh. It was pretty recently in actual for, for me. Huh. It was, it's really interesting. It's a good question that you ask, and I like to share this story because um, – entrepreneurs are always out there a thousand miles an hour like I am telling you how good everything is and how hard it is and I made it and I did it and it was a hustle but the reality is it's really hard it's yeah life can be really tough when you don't have good lead flow you don't have good inbound leads 
and you're constantly chasing after business and it's, you're constantly going after it. It was probably about six or seven years ago that my brother and I realized that we were doing the same things. And what we did is we decided to join forces and build a business together and get going together. And my brother is the smartest guy I know. Um, he's the most intelligent, funny, smart, clever, uh, clever. And I'm not saying that because he's my brother. That's that's genuinely, genuinely true. I think he might be the rain man when it comes to building websites and AdWords campaigns and just really good at what he does. And I'm really good at sales. So we kind of said, well, instead of me selling and building and managing and doing all that, why don't you do all the building and managing? I'll go and do all the selling. And Essentially, what it meant was both of us halved the amount of work that we would be doing if we came together. I'd go and sell, he'd go and deliver. And instead of him selling and delivering and me selling and delivering, we just divide it in half and we can divide and conquer. And it worked incredibly well. And I worked with him for about two and a half, almost three years. And right towards the end, um, I, I picked up a, a job and I bought into this customer's BS. And sometimes as a sales guy, you end up buying into a customer's BS where they're telling you a story that they want you to hear and you kind of feel a bit sorry for him and he's working you on price and he's working you on the deal. And I bought into it all. And I was, it was a categorical mistake. It was one of the biggest mistakes I'd ever made in my entrepreneurial career, really. And he was busting my chops about everything. We were late on deadlines because I'd underquoted the job and we were losing money on the job. And then I had to dive in the project management to help because we couldn't afford the project manager because I underquoted the job. And I got in there and it was a real mess. It was a dog's breakfast. And one day I just came to work and I said to my brother, mate, I'm out. I, I just can't do it anymore. I can't deal with this guy. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go and sell anymore. And he said, why don't you just go and have a holiday? And I was like, no, nah, man, that's, that's not going to help. I, I want out. I want out completely. And uh, so I made a decision to uh, to part ways with him, and I think it was pretty reluctant on his behalf. You know, I think he was a little bit upset um, that I was just kind of leaving him in the lurch, and I did, and I definitely did do that. And I, you know, in hindsight, I probably would have done it differently if I'd been less emotional about making the decisions that I made. But what I ended up doing was taking a couple of days off, and I wrote down on a piece of paper all the things that I love to do. And I wrote down a, a list of, I think it was about six or seven things. And the first one on my list was aviation. I always wanted to be a pilot and go and fly airplanes and do that. Although I'm a little bit too old to go and do that for a living. And now COVID has completely ruined all of that. But I went away and got my commercial pilot's license. The second thing I had on my list was motorcycles. I love fast bikes, right? Most, mm-hmm. most young Australian men like motorcycles. And um, I thought maybe I could go get a sales job, do that. And no one would give me a sales job. I couldn't get a job doing that because I was too overqualified or I had no experience. And um, I, I think <laughs> in hindsight, I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> and the third thing on my list was media. And I'd done a fair bit of media previously in the past. I'd been on TV a couple of times. I'd done a bit of reporting. And uh, in the military, I'd done a bit of stuff as well. And I thought, maybe if I could do some media, what could I do? Well, I'm not going to uni to be a journalist because journalists are like actors. They go away, get a qualification, and they can't get a job, right? So, And I'm not going mm-hmm. back to university. I don't want to do that. So I thought maybe what I can do is become a YouTuber, and that's the new, that's the future anyway. And I could start with my podcast. I could learn the interviewing skills and learn the techniques and learn everything I need to learn uh, with a podcast. And I decided that I was going to do that. I made a decision. And the low point for me was realizing that, hey, man, you're 40 years old. You don't have a job. 
you've got three kids in a family, all of these responsibilities, there's no income, there's no cash flow, your savings are not going to last you very long. What the hell? You, you're not mm. you're not really much different to a 17-year-old kid that's just left school. And you're at this point in your life where you should really have your act together. And I definitely did have my act together when I was working with my brother. Business was good. There was lots of cash. There was lots of things happening. There was good stability, good future, good everything. And I just cut it all loose. And money doesn't money doesn't really drive me is what I discovered. Money is really important and cash is really important and cash in the bank is really important. But it wasn't a motivating factor for me. And if I'm doing something that I really don't like, then I really got to get off that as soon as humanly possible. And as a result of that, I, I kind of, you know, I had to take stock of my life. And I really, I really had to commit, and I, and that's that's when the Go All In brand was born, because I my life all the way up until that point was pretty good, and it was pretty set, it was stable, everything was fine, income was fine, all of those things, and then suddenly I had nothing. What are you going to do, Rob? You got to go all in, mate. You got to go all in mm. on this, and you've got to make it work. And what products or services are you going to sell? I don't know. I'm just going to start this media thing and I'll, I'll work it out. And I literally was right back at square one and I was making it up as I go. Sure, I had plenty of experience and I knew how to get things done and I know how to, how to deal with things and I how to deal with invoices and cash flow and all that sort of stuff. But it was still a real challenge to go right back to the start and go again. And, you know, looking back on it now, two and a half years later, I'm kind of like, well, I'm glad I made the best decision of my life. But at the point, at that time, it was the lowest point of my entrepreneurial career for sure. Wow, that, that's a lot of crazy journey right there. I mean, you, you started start a second company with your brother and yep. you were in sales and all these crazy things. And then, you, and then that's when you realized that you want to start a new company called The Go All In. And, and after a few, few years after that, you got featured in London Real TV. Wow. <laughs> yeah, not bad, bro. So things, things went off to a racing start there. So, you know, I, I, like all good people setting goals, I wrote my goals down. I wrote all the things that I wanted and I just put them away. Like I never even looked at them again. And, and the goals that I wrote down were the people I wanted to interview and the types of people I wanted to interview. And at the very top of the list was Grant Cardone. I wanted to mm. talk to Uncle G. He'd been a big influence in my life. Oren Claff. I wanted to talk to some world champions. I wanted to talk to fighter pilots and veterans and infantry guys like me as well. And, and I ticked off the list of 100 people that I wanted to talk to. And that was enormously gratifying to be able to do that and to make that happen. And along the way, I developed a business. And along the way, I created my podcast booking agency. I've helped a bunch of people launch their own podcasts along the way. I've done a whole lot of consulting work in and around PR and podcasting and YouTube and things like that. And it's been a really fun journey. It's been really, really fun. And every day I wake up and I'm like, man, I'm so lucky I get to do this. And I get to meet incredible people like yourself to do interviews like this five or six times a week, sometimes more. And I just mm -hmm. I really, really enjoy what I do. Six times a week. Whoa, that is crazy. So when you were thinking about starting a podcast, what was your goal actually? Really, the, the original goal was to actually just learn how to do it and get it mm -hmm. done and get into YouTube properly. Um, so the other business that I have with my partner is a, uh, a photography business. So we've been in wedding photography for like, she's been taking photos since you could take photos with film 
and a camera where you had to go rah, rah, and move the film <laughs> around like that. So she's pretty old school when it comes to photography. And I helped to set up a business about 15 years ago properly. We built a website. We got out there. We're doing weddings and a whole bunch of stuff. And I always had an interest in video. So we all, we've got all the gear. We've got the studio. We've got all of that stuff. And I always thought it seems wasted that we just use it for photography because the other half of it is video. And so I learned video, I learned how to take it. I've done uh, a bunch of weddings, and a bunch of corporate stuff as well. And I thought I like to be in front of the camera more than I do behind. And I certainly don't like sitting at a computer editing videos on behalf of clients. I'd rather be editing my own. And that's that was the initial idea was to get into podcasting, work it all out and find my voice because I knew I had to find my voice and I knew I had to be able to articulate my story and to share my story and to share the lessons that I've learned and then transcribe and transfer all of that into YouTube and get going with YouTube. But the, the thing that happened to me was I became successful in podcasting, I suppose. I don't know how you determine what successful is, but I attract really great guests. I've got a great following. I've got a great audience. They really love what it is that I do. I get incredible feedback and I kind of stuck with that and I haven't focused too much attention on YouTube. Although the last the last month or so, I've spent a lot more time uh, working through those strategies and I've got a whole bunch of things that I'm about to execute on. So I'm thinking in the next 12 months that that's going to be more focused on YouTube. You can just reach a wider audience in YouTube than you can in podcasting. And that's because YouTube is the world's second biggest search engine, but there's no real centralized place to search for podcasts because all the platforms are separate. So iTunes is separate to Spotify, separate to iHeartRadio, separate to every other platform out there. Even though mm -hmm. iTunes contains about 60% of them, there's still no search functionality like Google. There's no way to delineate between the platforms and things like that. So um, I've spent the vast majority of my time podcasting and honing that skill, which I've got pretty good at. Um, and I really enjoy it. I like it. That's the most important thing, right? Because if you don't like it, you won't stick with it. And I've... <laughs> also explored YouTube and I'm going to do a whole bunch more of that in the next 12 months, which is really cool. Wow. That's awesome. I can see that you, that you have been the lowest point of, uh, point of your life and that you just went through all the way up. Wow. That's good. And you, you also have a movement that, that, that call going all in. Wow. Yeah. You, you have achieved so much right now. So yeah, in a uh, short space of time, you know, but that's based on all the experience that I had as well. You know, it wasn't a fluke. It was, you know, the vast majority of mistakes that I made, I, I haven't made again. Um, I've made a few new mistakes, but I definitely, every now and then I come up against something and I'm like, I've seen that before. Whatever you do, don't do that because that's a mistake. And that's the benefit yeah. of experience and things like that, you know. And the biggest mistake that I, I, I made in this business, you know, just for the for the listeners and the viewers is I spent way too much time in the last couple of years focusing on things that don't actually generate revenue. So mm. every time I sit down at a microphone and record a podcast, that generates revenue because it generates traffic to my website where people buy things and it's a form of lead generation. It's a form of traffic generation. But I've also spent a lot of time on tasks that don't really generate revenue. And I've never really been faced with that sort of problem or that sort of uh, dichotomy in any other business before because all you do as a podcaster or, or as a YouTuber is create content. 
And so when you're creating vast amounts of content and you're doing that constantly and you're constantly putting it out, what you've got to do is you've got to tie it back to a revenue model. So how does this podcast go out and how can I tie this podcast that you and I are doing right now to bring that back to some form of revenue? How do I make sales out of this? How do I how do I get people in my retargeting pool? How do I get people coming back to my website after they've had discovery with me and you here? So there's always a bunch of things like that. And that's been a good learning curve for me. And it's been definitely something that I would uh, share with other people. Don't spend too much time working on things that are not bringing you revenue. Wow. Oh, that's a very powerful quote right there. Uh, I need to put that somewhere after this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. The first part series of Mastering Your Mind and Going All In. I hope you like it and learn some from it. So the next part will be released on the next Wednesday. So make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on every single part. Okay. But before we end here, I have a few gifts for you that is worth $500. That's right, $500. So first, I'm going to give you a template you can use to create 12 months of content in just one day. That's right, you can create 12 months of content, a whole year of content in just 24 hours. And that alone is worth $100. And secondly, I'm going to give you a roadmap to successfully launch a podcast to get to top 50 on iTunes so you can get more listeners on your first day of launch and this is also worth $100 and the last valuable one is you'll get an ebook about the framework to make money with your podcast whoa ho and that my friend is worth $300. Whoa. So if we combine all together, it'll be $500. So I'm going to give it to you for free. Yay. But there is a catch. Okay. There is a catch. All you have to do is leave rates and reviews on iTunes, screenshot it and send it to my email, ashrafarrow at gmail.com. A-S-Y-R-A-A-F-E-R-O. Or you can send it to my Facebook Messenger. After you've done it, I'll send all these gifts to you. Sounds good? I'm doing this because I want to say thank you to you for being my listeners and supporting this show. Right, now go leave recent reviews on iTunes. The link to the iTunes is in the description below if, if you are not on iTunes. Okay, now go, 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 go. <laughs> All right. And always remember that winners focus on winning. Until then, stay winning. Hey, thank you for listening. We hope you can implement everything from this episode. And would you like to know more about business strategies and life hacks that you can apply right now? If so, subscribe to this podcast so you can become the best you. 